appreciate y'all so very much. Thank you, Miss Terry. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. God bless America. Boy, we certainly need him. Continue to do that. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31 is where we will pick up in our reading uh, in our study of this wonderful book this morning. I do appreciate, as I said earlier, you making it a priority to be in the house of the Lord and worship Him on this Lord's Day. And as always, we welcome those who are watching by way of internet and any of our uh, internet options out there. Thankfully, we have many now uh, that, are, that are available. If you miss something, please uh, always feel free to check those out. Go to the website, heflinbaptist.org, and it has a, a listing of all of those options that are available. We're just grateful that God has given us this avenue. I've said this in early service today. I want to remind you, too, as we move forward, as you're finding your place. Then uh, the times of greatest darkness is when God uses his church to shine the brightest light. I truly believe in the days ahead that there are going to be great opportunities to do that. We just have to be ready, willing, and prepared that when the opportunity presents itself, that we're available and ready to do what God has us to do by serving others. Uh, and I believe God's going to give us a lot of opportunities to do that. And hopefully over the next several weeks, those opportunities will become more clear. Uh, there's a lot of things, as you know, uh, in our culture that's very uncertain right now. Times have changed very quickly. Things are changing rapidly around us. And it's kind of hard to keep up with it all. But I'm just glad that there's nothing that is beyond the hand and the control of a holy God. He's in charge, and we just need to make sure that we're walking in faithfulness and obedience, that when opportunity for him to use us to shine the light of his gospel, that we're ready and willing to do that. So you pray much for those opportunities ahead. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, you found your place and physically able. Let's stand together. We're talking about this first section, if you will, of the second chapter. Big trouble in Babylon is what we've called it. This is the third scene. As we said earlier, there's three scenes of this situation, and this is the third of the scenes where Daniel is before Nebuchadnezzar. Let's read the word of God together. The Bible says these words. He says, You, O king, watching and behold a great image, this great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell you the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the Lord God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, and the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens... He has given them to your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you will arise a, uh, another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. The fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, the kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. You should, and you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, and they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to, the, to other people, 
It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And as much as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to this king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Father, in Jesus' name, pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word. Help us, Father, to hear from heaven today. Help us to receive truth and help us to respond appropriately. And may the Son of God be glorified through the proclamation of the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. You know, throughout our study of this second chapter, we used this title, Big Trouble in Babylon, because that's exactly what was happening. The end of chapter 1, everything's going good for Nebuchadnezzar. Everything's going good for Daniel, it seems. Nebuchadnezzar's conquering the world, and Daniel had found favor with the king. He had been granted wisdom from God. But things were about to take a drastic change, as we found in chapter 2, because Nebuchadnezzar was being troubled by this recurring dream that he could not find the meaning, he could not find rest. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that many times when God's people move into pagan territory, as Daniel was brought into Babylon, exiled from Judah, he was God's man, he was in pagan territory. Many times when God's people move into pagan territory and the work of God begins in that place, as it certainly is happening with Daniel, it always causes a restlessness among pagan people. Pagan people get restless and offended when God begins to stir and work among his people, even in the midst of a pagan culture. See, as we approach chapter 2, we notice that things began to change, and it changed in three different scenes. In the first scene, we dealt with Nebuchadnezzar's problem, what was going on with him internally. In part two, we dealt with how Daniel approached Nebuchadnezzar and how that God had revealed the contents and interpretation of this dream. He was able to go before Nebuchadnezzar because he had first bowed before the Lord of glory. So in this final scene of Big Trouble in Babylon, we find a couple of major points of interest, but one we're going to focus on solely here in just a few moments. Last week in chapter 2, verses 24 through 30, we remember that Daniel, after he had been with his companions, after they had got with the creator of the universe, he went back to Arioch. Arioch, you know, was that man that was responsible for carrying out the executions, and he told him, said, hey, we're ready to go see the king now. He said, I'm ready to go make known to him the content of his dream. I'm ready to bring to him the interpretation that I have received from the Lord. So after Arioch took Daniel before Nebuchadnezzar, he told the king that there was no other person under heaven, no person under heaven, even including himself, that was able to deliver an accurate interpretation of this dream. Daniel pointed to the king, uh, pointed out to him that the knowledge we must all have is that according to verse 28 is that there is a God in heaven. When Daniel uttered those words, it changed everything. He said, because there's a God in heaven, he is the one who's able to reveal the secret things. Daniel said, I did not know any of it in and of myself. I had to go get the word from the God of heaven. So Daniel finished his opening statements to Nebuchadnezzar by telling him, that this revelation did not come to him by his own wisdom, but it was from God and that Nebuchadnezzar needed to get to know the thoughts of his own heart. Well, that was a good word. He said, you, you need to know what's going on inside of yourself. So all of those events bring us right to verse 31 where we began reading a moment ago. And it appears as though this passage is going to deal solely and completely with the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But we must realize that this passage is more than just revealing the contents of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This passage is one of the most fundamental passages in prophecy in the whole Bible. It is a very prophetic passage, not just for Daniel's day, but for our day. See, the Bible contains a great deal of prophecy, especially 
concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus. In the Old Testament prophecies, all of them pertaining to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, were completely fulfilled. Now we look at unfulfilled portions of the New Testament prophecy that based on the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, we have 100% confidence that the New Testament prophecies will be fulfilled just as they were in the Old Testament. So as we talk about big trouble in Babylon, there's a, here's something I want to bring to your attention today. The first thing I want to talk about is the interpretation of this dream. That's how this all begins. Daniel's interpretation of the dream that he got from the Lord. Daniel told the king that he had seen his dream, and then he began to explain its meaning. Notice when in verse 31, he begins to describe the substance of the dream. Now you stay with me here for about the first five or six minutes because the first five minutes or so is laying the groundwork for some really good application, but we've got to understand what's going on here in order to be able to apply it to what's going on in our day. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, that what he saw in the dream, what God had revealed to him, was a statue of a large man who, according to the Scripture, whose splendor was excellent and whose form was awesome. He said this man was composed of five different materials, gold, silver, bronze, iron, and clay. He could see clearly. So suddenly, in the dream... This statue of a man whose splendor was excellent, whose form was awesome, composed of five different materials, suddenly a stone appeared in the dream. It smashed the feet of the statue so that the image was completely shattered and it became as dust that was blown away with the wind. See, all of a sudden in the dream, this mighty, splendorous, awesome statue who is composed of five very well-known materials, is now being shattered by a stone to where it has been reduced to dust and blown away with the wind. Then the stone, after that, becomes a huge mountain that filled the earth. Now, we got to stop back and get in the story for a minute, okay? Daniel shows up before Nebuchadnezzar. I've got a word from God. God has shown me the meaning. The God of heaven has revealed the secret. I'm going to share with you what it is. And as he begins to talk, we've got to stop for a minute and think, what was going on in Nebuchadnezzar's mind while Daniel's speaking? Well, at this point, he knew that Daniel was telling the truth, and he knew that Daniel could be trusted. You see, none of the other intelligent people, none of the other educated people that he had brought before him, astrologers, sorcerers, soothsayers, all these people, none of these magicians or none of them could make any sense of the meaning. They had no idea of the content. But here is a teenage boy from Judah who is there because he's in bondage and exiled from his homeland of Judah. He comes before the king and here's what he says. I know what's going on and I'm going to tell you what I see. And he is revealing to him exactly what Nebuchadnezzar saw. Nebuchadnezzar knew he was, he was telling the truth, knew he could be trusted. Why? Because verse 28 reminds us again that there's only one true God in heaven that could have possibly revealed such truth to him. Daniel had tapped into the right source. Daniel had the right information. Daniel had earned a hearing before the king. So he describes the substance of the dream. Let's take it a step further. Not only does he describe the substance of the dream, but he delivers the significance of the dream. Now let's walk through this uh, just a little bit and let's look at what he saw, okay? Of those five materials, notice what Daniel said to him. The first thing is, he says it's got a head of gold, okay? A head of gold. What did this represent? Well, it represented Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian kingdom. He says, you're the head. The, this kingdom lasted from 636 B.C. to 539 B.C., so he's showing that the gold is representative of the kingdom that he now is leading. But then he says, below that were breasts and arms of silver. If the gold represented Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian kingdom, what did the silver represent? Well, it represented the Medo-Persian kingdom that would come after Darius that conquered Babylon. 
These were the people that would overtake Nebuchadnezzar. That kingdom lasted from 539 B.C. to 330 B.C. But then he said, we see a belly and thighs of bronze. He went from a head of gold to breasts and arms of silver and now a belly and thighs of bronze. What did that represent? Well, that represented the Grecian kingdom that would be led by Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great led the Grecian kingdom from 330 B.C. to 63 B.C., which was known as the largest empire in the ancient world. So he's seeing some world history develop before him before it ever took place. So he had a head of gold, breasts and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, but then he said he had legs of iron and feet that are a mixture of iron and clay. He said, man, I, I get confused. I don't know what all that means. Well, let me help you. This represented the great Roman Empire, which lasted from 63 B.C. to 476 A.D. Iron represented strength, but clay represented weakness. Now think for a minute. The Roman Empire. I know some of you are got all of those facts from world history just right there, right there on the front of your frontal lobe, right? No. But here's what we do know and remember about Rome. Rome was a very strong empire when it came to law, organization, and military might. They had it going on like Donkey Kong. They had everything going in their way. But this empire included so many different people that it created weakness. Now you say, what, a lot of people created weakness? No, here's what happened. They had too many ideas and too many theories, and they had disregard for the one true God. Stay with me now. Too many ideas, too many theories, and disregard for the one true God. I don't know about y'all. That sounds eerily familiar, doesn't it? We got a lot of ideas, a lot of theories, but even in God-blessed America, 244 years after the sign of the Declaration of Independence, here's what we have. We got a lot of ideas and we got a lot of theories, but there is a disregard for the one true God. It's like I mentioned last night in our weekend video update. I was watching the, uh, the press conference with our state superintendent the other day. Now, I know Dr. Mackey won't remember this, but we go way back. 30 years ago this fall, I went to Jackson State University. I know that's shocking, y'all. Look, no way I'm that old. But anyhow, and my peer mentor was Dr. Eric Mackey. You know what he was? A student just like me, a year older than me. But I knew then, I said, man, this dude is smart. Man, boy, he's, you know, he's got a big, bright future ahead. But nevertheless, as he was doing his uh, uh, press conference, if you notice on social media, people comment. They comment, don't they, Mark? And sometimes their comments should be kept to themselves. It's like this lady came to me one time when I was a younger pastor, and I wasn't near as polished as I am today, and she said to me, she said, well, I just want you to know, Brent, I'm going to have to speak up because you know I've always got an opinion, and I'm entitled to my opinion." I said, yes, ma'am, you are. You're entitled to your opinion, and I'm glad you got it, but you're not always entitled to share it. I'd like to tell you she fell on her face and wept and cried and repented before God had got right, but that is not what happened. But anyhow, no, no, sometimes people comment when they should. So I'm watching the, the, the superintendent, and he's, man, he's, I don't know, having to make some decisions that's never been made in the history of education in the state of Alabama. Had to make decisions that's never been made. And there are people, oh, they, I, this is a waste of time. And I wouldn't do this. And I'd do this. And they're going to do this. And they're not going to do that. I thought, under heaven, why doesn't somebody just pray for the man? Most people who complain about those in leadership that make decisions are those who have never had to make a decision for anybody but themselves. But when you have to make decisions that affect 10 people, 20 people, 100 people, and thousands of people, you need the sovereign hand of God, and you need people praying for you and not complaining about you. You know why I got sympathy for Marty? 
So I've been a pastor almost 27 years. You won't believe this. You will not believe this. But there have been people that have been critical of my decisions. <laughs> Y'all lighten up a little bit. And if you've ever had to make a decision that affected anybody besides you, somebody's been critical of your decisions. You may have never heard it. They might have mumbled it. But I'm telling you, being critical comes naturally. But when we have been transformed by the power of a holy God, cleansed by the blood of Calvary, we find ways to not be critical and not be part of the problem, but to be a part of the solution. Two rags today is hot. Y'all stay with me, okay? This is why this burns in my heart so much. Because this is where America is today. Verse 43 said these words. And you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay. And look here. I highlighted this, will you? They will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another. Just as iron is not mixed with clay. I looked at the Christian Standard Bible says this. The peoples will mix with one another, but will not hold together. Uh-oh. Here's another translation. So the people will be a mixture and will not remain united. That's not just on a governmental level. Sadly, that happens even among people who profess to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Here's what Daniel is saying. Everything's going to look okay from the outside. But when things get tough, they won't stick together. God help us. God help us. O.S. Hawkins said this. He said, Rome did not collapse because another world to power defeated her. She collapsed from within. Anyone who has read the history of the Roman Empire has seen the moral decay that brought about the collapse of Rome. We are not the United States of America today. We are in name, but we are divided in so many things. But hear me today, friends, as the body of Christ. We are divided on a lot of things because there's a whole lot of ideas and a whole lot of theories that separate us. But followers of Jesus Christ realize that this is the book that ought to unite us. We ought to be different. We ought not be following the ways of man and living like everybody else and doing everything. We ought to be different because we're not conformed. We've been transformed. God help us understand that today. Rome fell because of moral decay from within. And if this country fails, it will not fail because we were attacked from somebody on the outside, even though that may happen. It will happen because we spent too much time with too many of our ideas and too many of our theories and had a disregard for the one true God of the universe. Oh, let's get back to Jesus. Let's get back to the altar. Let's get back to crying out to God. And let's ask God to fix this mess. You think I'd be tired after saying all this one time, but I, it's okay. I'll tell you why. It's because, it's because I give a real. You know what I mean? I care about this country. I'm the grandson of a World War II veteran. And I used to hear them talk about those things, talk about their friends, and talk about it matters to me matters to me. You know what matters to me even more than the fate of this country? It matters to me about the future of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It matters to me. Let's move on to another section here. See, you put them all up there. Ain't you okay? All right. Y'all way ahead of me. Y'all are going ahead right. All right. <laughs> all right. Good deal. The devastation. Verse 44. No, I'm good. Y'all appreciate y'all up there. Verse 44. He starts talking to him about the devastation that's going to take place. And the devastation has two parts. First, he talks about representation. Here's a question. 
the destruction of the image, what did that mean in Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream? Here's what it meant. It represented the coming of Jesus Christ, who is the stone, capital S-T-O-N-E in that verse. It represented the coming of Christ who would judge his enemies and establish his universal kingdom. Now, keep something in mind, friend. Does Jesus love everybody? Absolutely. Did Jesus go to the cross for everybody? Absolutely. Does Jesus want everybody to be saved? Absolutely. Will they be saved? No, not everybody will because many will reject this free gift of eternal salvation simply because they've got too many theories, too many ideas, and have a rejection of the one true God. But as much as he loves and as much as he cares and as much as he has compassion, he is also a Lord of judgment. You can't miss that. Because if we do, we'll miss out on a very important part because many people in this world are living as though there will not be a judgment, but I'm reminding you that the Word of God is very clear that there will be. Let me share a few things I got from Warren Wiersbe that I want to share with you. I believe that this reveals to us where he talks about um, the destruction of the image. Here's the first thing he tells us. What does it reveal? One thing it does is it reveals that God is in control of history. See, he knows the future because he plans the future. The same God who gave Nebuchadnezzar the power to expand his empire is the same God who has the authority to take it away. Stay with me, friend. The same God who allowed those signers of the Declaration of Independence, who allowed Thomas Jefferson the wisdom and knowledge and foresight to draft that wonderful document, the same God who allowed this country to be established 244 years ago is the same God who has the ability to take it away. We can't forget this, friend. You can look how volatile things are in society. One day the stock market will be up 700, tomorrow it'll drop 1100. One day it'll be up 300, it'll drop 700. You can't put your hope in the Dow Jones. Lord, no, you can't. The same God who gave us the authority and the ability to be a part of this country is the same God who can take it away. Here's the next thing it reveals. It reveals that human enterprises decline as time goes on. You don't believe that? You don't believe things decline on their own? Just go home today, put up your lawnmower, put up your weed eater, put up your hedge trimmer, don't buy any Roundup. Probably not good for us anyhow, the TV says. I didn't know that until I started watching the news. Now I'm afraid to breathe. But anyhow, <laughs> put up all your stuff, put up all your hedge trimmers, put up your power saws, put up all your stuff, and, and just quit taking care of your place and just see if it gets better on its own. Now, you know what's going to happen. The weeds are going to start growing up. Everything's going to take over. You can't leave it to its own. And that's the way we, it, the world is. See, this massive image in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it changed in value from head to toe. Remember, it was gold at the head, and it's a mix of iron and clay at the feet. Not only did it change in value, but it changed in strength. He'd gone from a golden head to feet of clay. Now, many nations today appear to be strong and durable, but they're always in danger of getting top-heavy with no foundation, which leads to a crash. We might appear, appear to be durable and strong in some areas. We might appear to be good in organization and in law and in military strength, we might appear to have some things that are strong, but this year, 2020, has exposed many of our vulnerabilities. We cannot miss this, and we cannot miss this point in history. We cannot miss what God is trying to teach us. He is trying to teach us that if we get top-heavy, that means we get full of ourselves, full of our own ideas, full of our own theories, full of our own thinking, and we do not build upon the foundation which no other man can lay but Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. If we do that, we'll get top-heavy, and we have the ability to crash. Now, I know it's not popular to talk about this stuff, and it's not exciting for me to have to share this with you, but it is some truth from the Word of God that we cannot overlook. 
There's another thing it reveals. It reveals that it's very difficult to hold things together in the end times. <laughs> That's so true. You see, the feet were composed of iron and clay. What's that mean? Iron is strong. Clay is weak. The clay not only is weak, but it robs the iron of its ability to hold things together. Wow. At our best, men, ladies, humans, at our best, we're merely clay. Did you know that? At our very best. And the heart of the problem is simply this. It's the problem of the human heart, which is rebellion against God. I was listening to Tony Evans the other day on podcast. He was preaching from John chapter 5 about the pool of Bethesda and the lame man for 38 years trying to get to the water when it was stirred so he could be healed of his infirmity. Tony Evans focused on the words of Jesus. When Jesus went to the lame man, he said, Do you want to be made whole? I don't know it's you, but if I'd been sitting still for 38 years and no ability to move around myself and everywhere I went, somebody had to tote me, everything I ate, somebody had to feed me. I don't know about you, but I would be saying, Lord God, whatever it takes to make me whole, please make me whole. Jesus looked at him and said, do you want to be made whole? He said, because you've got to be willing in order to be made whole. He said, you know, in America today, our biggest problem is we don't want to be made whole. We just want to be made half. Half. Well, what do you mean by that? He, he, he went on to say this. He's meant by that is saying we want God to fix all of the symptoms of our illnesses, but we don't want to allow God to deal with us to the point that he brings a total cure. We want God to take away the pain but we don't want him to deal with what's causing the pain. It's kind of like if you go to the doctor this week and say, hey, my knee hurts. Well, why is my knee hurting, doctor? He looks at me and says, because you're getting older. Well, I know that, doctor, but my knee hurts, and I need, to, I need something to make my knee stop hurting. Okay, we'll take you some ibuprofen or some acetaminophen, whichever one is your choice, right? Uh, Tylenol or Advil, and that, take you some Advil because that's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, NSAID. See, y'all didn't know all this knowledge I had, right? Okay, all right, so look here. You take your ibuprofen, and it handles the inflammation. And, but what happens four to six hours later? And it starts hurting again, Marty. You're old. You know what it means like that, okay? Yeah. I guarantee you, there's something hurting over there. Anyhow, no, look here. Four to six hours later, I'm like, you know, it's, I, sometimes I have a little trouble with uh, Achilles tendon. And uh, the doctor says it's because you need to do more. I don't know. But anyhow, it'll flare up every now and then. So I, I take this little thing, and it's got some icy hot on it. And it rolls on there like y'all remember the old band deodorant? Some of y'all not old enough to remember that. Anyhow, and, and I roll it on there and I rub it and it'll hurt and all of a sudden the icy hot will kind of kick in and start feeling a little better. But you know what? About an hour, it starts hurting again. So I go back to the doctor and say, doctor, I took that ibuprofen, I put that icy hot on there and you know what? Hey, for about four hours, I'm telling you, man, felt like a new knee. But after four hours, I had to take some more you know, and I'm getting a little worried because, you know, I did one of them internet searches, which is another dangerous thing to do, right? And uh, it said if I take too much of that ibuprofen, I'm going to have another problem. Y'all with me? If I take too much of that, it's bad on my stomach. And I'm already a pastor, so I'm probably eat up with ulcers. Uh, it's not good for your kidneys, all right? And then a acetaminophen, well, that's not good for your liver, so, you know what, I'm, I really don't know what to do if I keep doing what you're saying. My knee may not hurt every four to six hours, but I'm going to be causing some other problems. And then the doctor says, says, you want me to fix that knee? Yeah. He said, well, son, you're going to have to quit dealing with just the symptoms, and you're going to have to find out the source of your problem." Ladies and gentlemen, in America today, I want to tell you, we don't need a spiritual Advil. <laughs> We need a spiritual transformation from the inside out. We need to deal with what's really going on. We need to be made whole. We don't need to be made half. And then there's another thing, Wiersbe said. He said that stone reminds us that Jesus Christ will return 
He will destroy his enemies and he will establish his kingdom. Aren't you glad to know that? See, even in a world of chaos today, Christians should rejoice. We should have joyful confidence knowing that God has everything under control and one day he's returning for his own. And I'm so glad I didn't do anything to earn it. He did everything for me. He went to the cross. He's our hope. The heart of every person I believe in order to be a child of God must be changed by the grace and, and, and the power of God. And the Bible teaches us, according to verse 44, that the only kingdom that will last forever is the kingdom that he will establish. And the only people who will be members of that kingdom are people who have been born again by the Spirit of God. If you ever hear anybody say this, please, please know this is not true. If anybody says, well, everybody on earth just one of God's children, not true we are not all God's children we all are God's creation but you don't become a child of God by the physical birth you become a child of God by the spiritual birth you don't become a child of God because you were born in a hospital you become a child of God when you've been born again born from above amen there's a big difference so to become a child of God you've got to come by the way of the cross bad teaching out there telling folks just because you've been born all dogs go to heaven no you go to the funeral home everybody goes to heaven from the funeral home listen here i want you to know if you want to go to heaven you're going to, have to go by the way of the cross through the blood of jesus it doesn't matter what the preacher says about you once you're gone jesus knows the truth i gotta deal with this last part y'all get home and say man he left this out and i'm so mad <laughs> Notice he ends up by talking about revelation. Wait a minute. He talks about some toes of clay. What does that mean? Well, there's two parts of this revelation that I've got to give you to be faithful to the text. And the first thing is he talks about destruction. The toes of clay. What about y'all? That jumped off the page at me. What do they represent? Well, those toes of clay represent the continuation of the Roman Empire. You say, wait a minute, ended in 476 A.D. Oh, 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 hold on. In the end time, the Bible reveals that a federation of nations will emerge from the ruins of the old Roman Empire. Here's what will happen. That federation of nations that will emerge from the old ruins of the Roman Empire they're going to try to mix everything together and make everybody happy. They will mix iron with clay, which means they will mix the ideas of totalitarianism, imperialism, and the principles of democracy. All of these are pliable and can be molded like clay, but the truth of the matter is they don't blend together. You can't take a little democracy, a little imperialism, a little totalitarianism and just make everything good and have a utopia. In the last days, these nations that will rise out of the ruins of the old Roman Empire are spoken of in the book of the Revelation, chapter 17, where John saw that ten kings will usher in a one-world government. You heard any talk about that lately? <laughs> oh, boy every piece of the puzzle how far in the future that is I don't know but every piece of the puzzle is moving toward this type setup because out of those nations those ten nations will arise a prominent leader a very charismatic leader one that people will be drawn to and follow easily and this charismatic leader that we refer to and is known as the Antichrist He'll make a promise. His promise will be to rid the world of warfare, to rid the world of hunger, to rid the world of economic problems and all of the social problems we have today. This one world leader is going to say, I can make all that go away. I have the answer. He will promise peace, but he will be anything but a man of peace. You know how I know? Because the Apostle Paul warned the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 when he said these words. He said, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, speaking of the day of the Lord, will not come 
unless the falling away comes first. Boy, we're there. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Wow. Pretty bold dude, huh? Yeah, I'd say so. But sadly, friends, our world is heading in a destructive direction. This direction that we're heading in will lead to the rise of the Antichrist. We know the Scripture tells us that there are many little a Antichrist already. The spirit of Antichrist is alive and well in our world, but the capital A Antichrist is a specific person who will lead this world into the greatest tribulation the world's ever seen. But you know one thing for the church we don't need to do? We don't need to get so caught up in the Antichrist that we lose sight of serving the authentic Christ. And there's a lot of people saying, who is it? Where is he? Where does he come from? Which nation? What's he going to... You know, I really don't know. And some Bible scholars believe, and I hope they're right, and I believe they're right, that before the revelation of the Antichrist, the church is going to get raptured, and we don't have to worry about it. I'm really praying that's what happens. I am. But, but the matter the fact of the matter is simply this. Regardless of what happens, the authentic Christ is the one that deserves our love and our loyalty. Verses 44 and 45, I want to leave you where he talks about deliverance, okay? Destruction's a bad thing. Deliverance is a good thing. In verse 44 and 45, we see a foreshadow in Scripture. It's a foreshadow of the kingdom that Christ will establish Bible says will be greater than any other. <laughs> It'll be greater than Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian kingdom. It'll be greater than Alexander the Great's kingdom. It'll be greater than the Medo-Persian kingdom. It'll be greater than the great Roman Empire. Verse 44 says that Christ's kingdom will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and will stand forever. He's saying Christ's kingdom is far stronger will dismantle every one of these kingdoms and will stand forever. This phrase that I just read to you refers to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on earth at the conclusion of the Great Tribulation. The Lord Jesus will literally crush the kingdoms of the world just as the image in Nebuchadnezzar's dream was destroyed. Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how I know all this to be true? Well, I read the back of the book. Here's what it says in Revelation 19, verse 11. John the Revelator, on the Isle of Patmos, he too was in exile like Daniel, but he was about to be used in his greatest days in his old age. Here's what he said. Now I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and with righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Wait a minute. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, John done wrote about this one time, right? John chapter 1, verse 14 said, And the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He knows who he's talking about, Martin. Then he goes on to say this, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Oh, that's the, that's the raptured church right there coming back with him. Listen here. And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings 
Lord of lords. Pretty awesome scene, isn't it? Think for a minute. Back up with me. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9, 10, 11, we read the account of when Jesus ascended, ascended back 40 days after the resurrection to be seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The Bible says, As a cloud received him out of the sight of the disciples who were gathered there on the Mount of Olives, the two men stood by in white apparel and said these words, O men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven for this same Jesus that you see taken up from you today into heaven will so return in like manner. All right, stay with me. Forty days after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven from the Mount of Olives. Revelation chapter 19, we find that he will return to that very same spot just as the scripture says. Isn't that amazing? And when he does, he will set his feet on the earth in the revelation of Jesus Christ, and from there he will establish his kingdom, which according to Daniel and according to the entire context of the word of God is a kingdom that will last forever. Now, Let me ask you this when we're done. Why do we get so caught up in stuff that's not going to matter five seconds after we're dead? Why do we get so caught up in all the rhetoric and all of the back and forth instead of getting caught up in the fact that there is a holy God in heaven who spoke this world into existence? who sent his son to willingly and willfully die in our place on the cross, who shed every drop of his life's blood that it might cleanse us from all unrighteousness and make us joint heirs with him that are kingdom of God. Why do we get so caught up in all that stuff and not get caught up in his stuff? Because that's what's really going to matter, right? Everything we're doing right now is temporary. But what we do for Jesus will last. You know why? Because as his kingdom lasts forever, we'll reign forever with him. Let's pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. Thank you for how it spoke to my heart through this week. How you challenged my heart with the truth how you stir me to be really focused on what's going to matter in these last days that people are really perishing people really need a savior and they really need to see a church that's been transformed and that is demonstrating what it means to be a follower of Jesus God help us as a church to never lose sight of that truth and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, I want you to look this way a few minutes before we dismiss. Always know that what matters most to us is you and your relationship with Jesus. If you don't have one, I'd like to help you start one. If you do have one and you struggle, listen here, we all struggle. The guy that tells you he doesn't struggle is struggling with telling the truth because we all struggle, right? Whatever it is, we want to help you walk with God. I, I said this last night in our weekend video. I said that two things I've resolved in my heart to not get caught up in all this stuff, but to walk with God and preach the Word of God. Because that's what's going to matter when all this is over. That's what's going to matter is what we've done for the glory of God. So do know that anything we can help you with, you call us. You call, I'm right here. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, a, and I want, if I can help you within the service, you can come talk. I'll be glad to. I stay here. The last person's gone. I do that every week. It's just because I care about people and there ain't nothing they can do about it, right? Uh, so do remember that. Um, also, I uh, appreciate continued faithfulness to supporting the work and stewardship of our church. We really need to have a good day today and a good week this week to end on a good note. Uh, you know, I know it's vacation time and summertime and all that kind of stuff, but let's just 
don't let our faithfulness to God ever suffer for anything else because when you stand before him in judgment do you know all that's going to matter is what you've done for his glory it is in your obedience so to continue to be faithful be obedient God's got a great purpose a plan for us by his grace we're going to walk through this thing every day we don't know as I said in the early service you know our challenges are far from over and I believe we'll continue to have challenge after challenge until Jesus takes us home and let's just walk through the challenges holding his hand and holding each other's hand amen let's do that to his glory so when you give today you can give on the way out there's buckets at both doors you can give online of course through our website and our tithe.ly app uh, you can continue somebody using that please do some are still mailing I do want to say again thanks to all of you who've watched online today God bless you do know that you're loved and uh, we just we just pray I'm living for I tell you I'm living strongly for the day we can just uh, get everybody together again you know it's really really the burden of my heart but at the same time there's hundreds of thousands of people around us that don't know Jesus that if they died today they'd go spend eternity in hell that that's what moves me that's what drives me is that there are people that not only need to hear a sermon they need to see somebody be in one amen and I want to be that and I want you to be that but I want you to know I do I, as always I love you there ain't a thing you can do about it thank you for being here today and if anytime we can help you through the week don't ever think that you're a burden because we do what we do because Jesus Christ, he's the answer. He's the answer for America. All I pray is that America listens to the answer. Help me, please. Help me. If we ever need the hand of a sovereign, holy God on this nation, it's now. It's now. We need God to be exalted, honored, and uh, I believe he is already. Marty, if you'll come, he's going to sing us out. I want you to have a great week. Wednesday night will definitely be on at 6.30. Probably do some other updates through the week. Have a great week ahead. Encourage others to be come be with you. Encourage others to watch the service. Whatever you can. Let's stand together. Marty's going to sing us out. Because he lives.